Well, good morning. So great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. As you just saw, as we continue the series Upside Down, we're going to focus in on the idea of our awareness, the importance of awareness. And I tell you, if you're a guest or you've missed some of these talks, this series Upside Down is an important, important season for us to understand what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I hope that you'll catch up on those things on our YouTube channel or website or whatever, but I, most people don't think much about awareness, really. It's not one of those words that kind of find their way into our everyday vernacular, but awareness is a powerful, powerful force in life. It, it literally can change how we see something and then the choices we make about that something. It, it, in the end, can be an unbelievably powerful force for our protection. And I'll just give you an example. Yesterday morning, yesterday morning, I, I went to a grocery store, and on the way, I came to a four-way stop, a four-way stop that I normally roll right through because I'm a good driver, you know, that kind of thing. I'm an American, I'm free, so I usually, you know, uh, you know, stop signs are a little bit of advice that's easy to ignore, and so I normally roll right through them, but th yesterday morning, out of the corner of my eye, I happened to see a suspicious-looking vehicle on the shoulder of the road about a quarter mile away, you know? It was one of our wonderful police officers getting ready to enhance the community's budget by digging into my wallet, you know, because of the way I attack four-way stops, and I saw him. So because I had become aware, I acted differently. I made different choices. I made a full-on stop, and I sat there for several seconds just to be sure, you know? saying he'll be impressed with my driving, or she will, you know. But the awareness of the officer's presence literally changed everything. My view of the moment, my choices in that moment, and in the end, the outcome of that moment. And so let me sum it up with three words. Yesterday, these three words. No ticket today, you know, it's like, it was wonderful, and awareness is what caused me to be protected. Well, the power and importance of awareness holds true in our spiritual lives as well. Here's what I think many of us tend to miss. By nature, our awareness is very limited. It's very, very narrow. We're kind of blinded by the here and now, it's all we see, it's all we're aware of, and so we kind of live our lives this way. What feels right to me in the moment is what I'll do. What I want in the moment is what I'll do, because that's all I'm aware of, my feelings, my personal motivations, what's driving me on the inside, and what I can clearly see. So that's our awareness, blinded by the here and now. And like those with whom I was driving yesterday that weren't aware of that police officer's presence, what happens is the lack of awareness leads to very bad choices. 
and to very undesirable outcomes. But life is supposed to be different for those of us who follow Jesus. I mean, yes, without Jesus, all we have is the here and now. That's all the insight we have. And so we have to follow the feelings of the moment. That becomes our truth, our guiding principles. We make choices on that and have very undesirable outcomes, as all of us know. But when we follow Jesus, he transports us into a new reality because he is not lost in the moment. He is from beginning to end. He is the God who transcends time. He is the God who's promised its eternity. And so we can go from living for the moment to living in the moment for eternity. It's an entirely different thing. And I know not everyone who comes to Northridge is a committed follower of Jesus. Not, uh, some of you are just trying to test it out. Some of you are here because someone's making you come here and you really don't buy this thing. And I get that. That means you're lost in the here and now. It just means that's all you have. That's all you believe you'll ever have if you haven't yet believed in Jesus. But many of us here, many of us, have said we believe in Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. And yet what's crazy is so many of us who say we're followers of Jesus still live blinded by the here and now. We don't have an awareness that gets bigger, and we have to if we're going to follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, in order to protect us, he wants us to become aware of what we, by nature, in the here and now, don't see, and quite frankly, don't even believe in. And if we do get his view, we'll have a shot at experiencing God's best. It's what Jesus promised, life and life to the full. But if we don't get his view, we won't have a shot at God's best. Awareness is important. And so with that as our context, here's the truth we're going to focus down in onto this weekend. Jesus' view demands a constant awareness of evil. That's not natural in our world. But Jesus' view, if we're really going to follow Jesus, it demands that we have a constant awareness of evil and that evil is not just some kind of mystical, general, universal thing, but we have to be constantly aware of evil's source. It comes from a source, and that source has profound influence. This is what it means to have Jesus' view. And the reason this is important is because so many claim to have Jesus' view, but they don't remain aware of the reality of evil that he's taught us, and it messes up everything. And it's okay for you to go, I don't have Jesus' view and you can't make me. I get it, and you're right. But it's not okay to say, I have Jesus' view, I've chosen Jesus' view, and then not to live by Jesus' view. And so it helps us to know, and this is important for me because I'll be right up front. I've chosen to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I've chosen to follow his truth and want his way in my life, but I don't always actually pursue that. I sometimes am blinded by the here and now. And so I test myself by saying, am I really living Jesus' view or not? And this is a big area. Am I really remaining constantly aware of evil and its source and its influence or not? 
And just so you can see it from Jesus, this isn't me. This is what it means to follow Jesus. In Matthew 6, verse 13, he's teaching us how to pray in a daily basis. It's called the Lord's Prayer, and a lot of people just repeat it, but that's not what he gave it to, gave it to us for. He gave it as an outline of prayer. You want to know how to pray? This is how you do it. It's like an outline. You, you recognize that God is real, because often we don't recognize the reality of God's presence. And he says, oh, you're our Father, you're in heaven, you're really here. And by the way, we worship a lot of things as human beings by nature, but I'm going to worship you. Hallowed be your name. And by nature, I get up wanting to do what I want and following my agenda. But every day, Jesus taught us to pray. No, not my agenda, but yours. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and then every day, we strive to provide for our own needs. But we have to recognize that God is the ultimate provider. And so Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, right? And then he taught us to pray to recognize we by nature, because we pursue our own agenda and don't recognize God's presence and aren't constantly aware of evil, we blow it. And so he says, well, forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. And then he taught us to pray, and this is important, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the, say those two words. You don't hear that much in the marketplace, do you? Politicians don't talk much about this, do they? You know what's really sad? Pastors and churches don't talk much about it either. But Jesus did. Jesus said, you better recognize and be aware of evil, its source, and its influence in your life. And the way to do it is by when you recognize God's presence, also recognize that he is your protection against evil and the ability to resist temptation comes from him. Recognize, be aware of evil on a daily basis. But we tend not to follow Jesus' teaching even as we sing Jesus' truth. Peter was declaring, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm committed to you, Jesus. I love you more than everybody else who claims they love you, Jesus. And I'm telling you, I will die for you, Jesus. That's what Peter the apostle said. And Jesus said, you know, not really. You know, you're going to deny me three times, buddy. In fact, he said, you need to watch and pray because Satan's trying to take you down. And I know your spirit says you love me, but your flesh is weak and you're going to get nailed unless you watch and pray. Stay aware of the evil one. And Peter said, not me, man. I'm above that. And that's how many of us are not aware of evil and its influence. And so Peter fell, denied Jesus three times, major, major failure in his life. And the same thing happens to us because we don't take Jesus' advice to remember, be aware of evil and its influence in our life. And then Peter, after his failure in writing to people like us, said, I need to teach you what I failed to know. You need to be self-controlled and alert. You need to stay awake. You need to watch and pray. You need to realize evil is real and it has influence in your life. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if you don't see the lion, you will get taken down. And that's exactly what he's saying. And you know what? We're living in a world where even many Christians don't see the lion, don't know he's roaring, don't understand that they're susceptible. We, if we're going to have Jesus' view, have to get out of the here and now, and we have to get Jesus' view and remain aware of evil, its source, and its influence. But 
That's pretty general. What's it look like in the specific, right? I thought we should maybe look at that so we can see and evaluate. Am I aware of evil or am I being caught off guard? Is this why I'm failing? So let's start here. If we're really going to follow Jesus and develop his view, then we must believe in and have an awareness of, and I'm going to say these two words and they're going to shock you, the devil. Ooh. All of a sudden you're thinking, ooh, pointy ears, red outfit, and a pitchfork. Woo, we see him on Halloween. He's a fabrication, a fairy tale. He's not real. At best, he should be a part of comedy routines. That's what our culture's done. Totally eliminated the idea of him, but not Jesus. Jesus says, you will consistently live in defeat if you don't get my view. He's real. He's powerful, and he wants to take you down. I mean, we have to know it. We must believe in and have an awareness that he's not a fabrication. He's real, and he has it out for us, the devil. I mean, Jesus' whole ministry started this way. Matthew 4, 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. It's amazing to me. How many people claim to be following Jesus that don't really believe in the devil? You wonder why we fail so much? Why we don't experience the presence of Jesus so much? Why we don't experience the power of God so much? Because we make a claim that we're following Jesus, but we don't even believe what Jesus taught, what Jesus believed in, and what Jesus said we need to be aware of or we'll fail. The devil. For real, Peter learned the hard way, and so are we, sadly. It goes further because in the Bible, God makes it really clear about the reality of the devil. In fact, all the way back in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, he makes it clear that there is evil, a source, and influence that can take us down if we're not careful. And if we're going to remain aware of an evil influencer in this world, we need to become aware of who he is and what he's like. And that's exactly what God's given us with Jesus, with Genesis. In this story, it says, Now the serpent said to the woman, Adam and Eve were alive at the time in paradise, said to the woman, Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And he didn't say that at all. Satan starts messing with it. And you say, why a serpent? Because Satan never presents himself as himself. He always takes on the form that's acceptable to the person he's trying to take down. And the serpent was a beautiful creature in the garden at the time. You say, a serpent, a snake, beautiful. Used to be, but then... It got cursed. But the woman was used to the serpent. The woman didn't mind the serpent. But the woman should have been able to identify the serpent as the evil one because he started compromising God's truth, saying things different than the way God said it. And then God had said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm telling you, you're using your free choice to walk away from me. And away from me, you can't experience life. And so Satan says, you will not surely die. You're misunderstanding God here. For God knows that when you eat of that fruit, 
your eyes are going to be opened, and God wants your eyes opened, right? And you're going to you're going to be like God, and God wants you to be like him. He even said you're created in his image, didn't he? And you'll know good and evil, which is important to do, right? And so here's the devil presenting himself as how he is. So if we're going to know who he is and what he's like, we can see it right there. You know what God teaches us there? You're going to be aware of the evil one. You have to know something about him. He is a master deceiver. I mean, there's no truth in him. He's never about the truth because God's about the truth. He's always about lying so that he can get you walking away from God. And he's not just good at it. He's not even just great at it. He is a master at it. He's got a triple black belt in deception. This dude can taekwondo deception like nobody's... I don't even know what I'm talking about here, but you get the idea. He's a master deceiver. You look at Revelation 12, 9. This is the Bible, not me. This is the view those of us follow Jesus should have. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He's got influence. He's got sway. He's such a master deceiver that he's convinced the world to believe his lie as the truth. You want to know how good he is? He's convinced a lot of really high IQ people that he doesn't even exist. That's pretty good. When you don't believe he exists, you can't win. It's over. And this is exactly where so many of us live. And then, the awareness of the evil one's nature goes further. You saw it in Genesis 3. You see it in Matthew 4 where Jesus was tempted. Not only is he a master deceiver, but one of the greatest tools for deception is he becomes a masked up spiritual guy. He masquerades as God's representative. I mean, it's his common outfit. Everybody's looking for like the pitchfork and the red outfit, and that's not how he presents. First of all, it's not even how he looks. It's stupid. It's a fabrication. It makes it a fairy tale. It's a part of his lie. But he never comes as he is. He always comes as you want God to be. He masquerades as God's representative. It's what he did to Eve. This beautiful serpent saying, hey, you're misunderstanding God. You see that tree? It's awesome. God wants you to have it. You're not going to die. It's going to make you great. It's going to help you fulfill God's will. Lie, 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 lie. But he looked good, so she fell. Look at 2 Corinthians 11. It puts it in stark reality. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. First, that verse is saying, a lot of people who say they're teaching you about God are lying. A lot of people who, like me, stand on platforms like this, maybe sometimes on TV, or as authors of books, or as radio, whatever, a lot of them aren't telling you the truth. They just look really spiritual and religious as they're telling you the lies. And then, this is what God says, of course they do that. No wonder. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. 
He looks believable. We need to realize that just because something looks or sounds spiritual doesn't mean it's good or spiritual. We have to be aware that Satan loves to make the wrong look right. He's a deceiver. Which is why I've said for years and will say again right now, I do not want you coming to Northridge and just accepting what I say. Because the truth is, Satan loves to masquerade as a great-looking spiritual pastor like me. <laughs> Some of you say, aren't you just old? Where's your walker? Okay, you know, it's my delusion. But here's the thing. Satan loves to dress up in a guy who sounds spiritual and looks sincere and sounds like he knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing. And, and I'm telling you, don't just accept what I say. Go home and open the Bible and look at whether or not what I'm saying is true because you'll grow more through checking up on me than you ever will by just swallowing what I say. You need to be aware Satan masquerades as God's representative. And you need to know his purpose. His purpose is always to rob us of the life that God created for us. God wants us to experience life in all of its fullness. It's what he created us for. But look at what Jesus says Satan's goal is. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's a master at deceiving. He's a master at masquerading as a religious person. And so many people, even in the church, buy it. Which is why so many people are missing the promises of God. And so, we have to realize and be aware that evil has a name. And it stems from the source, the devil. Jesus taught us that. Do you have that view? But it goes further. If we're really going to follow Jesus and develop his view, then we must believe in and have an awareness of evil's hold on this world. I have to tell you, I'm amazed at my own self sometimes when I'm watching the news and I'm watching the crazy stuff that's happening in this world and I start going, how in the world can this world be so messed up? How can it happen so quickly? How can people be so nuts? And then I have to back up and go, oh, I forgot. Evil has a hold on this world. Evil has a hold. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't amaze us. It explains all the crazy in our world. It helps us to understand the upside-down values this world is embracing. It also helps us to understand the lack of values this world is embracing. Evil has a hold on this world. And this is important for you to understand or it'll have a hold on you. It's important for you to understand or it'll have a hold on your kids. Too many of us as parents haven't warned our kids that there's an evil one trying to take them down on a daily basis. And so they go to school and they're not looking for it. They're not aware of it. 
and they're being wiped out. It's not enough for adults to be aware. Adults need to teach our kids to be aware so that they don't follow the sucker punch. Too many of us are afraid to say the devil because we sound stupid. No, the stupid one is the one who doesn't recognize that the devil is the one making you feel stupid for believing in his evil. We have to stay aware. I'm going to be going to Plymouth Salem uh, and teaching this uh, on Monday. Yeah, no. Look at first, do it, she said, yeah. And then, never mind, I'm not even. They'll change their protest to protesting me. That's uh, the only thing that'll happen. Look at 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God when we follow Jesus, when we have his view. But when we know we're children of God, we also know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It shouldn't surprise us. But what about the media? It shouldn't surprise us. What about politics? It shouldn't surprise us. What about all these religious things? It shouldn't surprise us. It's always been there. But we've lost awareness. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. This is God's word. The God, small g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. So many people aren't experiencing the hope of Jesus. They don't even have a prayer for it because they're not even aware that the God of this age, Satan, has blinded their minds. And God's telling us something really important here. God of this age, small g, he's the God of this universe. But Satan is the God of this age. What's that mean? He's the author of this culture. He's the author of the values of this culture. He's the author of the blindness, the crazy, the nuts crazy nutsness of this culture. I had to make up a word just so you'd get it. It's, he's the author. He's the God of this world. And you know what's sad? Many of us who say we follow Jesus are letting this culture to define our values. When our culture is defined by Satan, no wonder we're living a failed experience. Look at Ephesians 2. I, this is Jesus, not me. Ephesians 2, as for you, speaking to followers of Jesus like us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins because all of us have sinned, dead, separated from God, just like Adam and Eve. We all have had this problem. You used to live in that before you put your faith in Jesus. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. What's really sad is Jesus' followers are supposed to be alive, recognize this, no longer be following this evil liar. But too many of us are still falling right in line. We have to be aware. And you might be saying, man, dude, you are lost in yesterday. Did you know we're in the 21st century? Yeah, I did. But here's what I know about the 21st century. The human heart is no different than in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell, and Satan is no different. He's still good at what he does, and sadly, too many of us are being wiped out on the daily because we're not willing to admit this. We have got to wake up and become aware Evil has a hold on this world.
If we're really going to follow Jesus and develop his view, then we have to believe in and have an awareness of our own propensity towards evil. I find very often in my own life, and I know in many Christians' lives, that, that we think, oh yeah, man, Satan's real. Dude, whew, a lot of power. And he's got a hold on this world. People are really messed up because of him. But we think we're above it. Well, let me just tell you, I'm not, you're not, we're not. We, by nature, have propensity towards evil. This isn't just other people's problem. It's ours. And if we're not aware of this, which most aren't, we will continue to do what we do by nature. We will continue to trust our natural intuition. We'll continue to trust our instincts. You know how I ruined my life as a Jesus follower? By following my intuition and my instincts instead of following what Jesus Christ himself has said is true. But that's what we do because we're not aware of our own evil thing. We have Christians saying, I'm just following my truth. No wonder you're blowing life so badly. Because when you understand that your nature has a propensity towards evil, when you go with what feels right to you, you'll always go the wrong way, which is why so many of us continue to fall and continue to fail. We're not even aware of this whole thing going on. And you say, we have a propensity towards evil? Yeah. Look at Romans 3.23. For, would you say that word with me? Yeah, let's do it again. For all have sinned. By the way, there are so many people when I talk about sin, yeah, I know there are a lot of sinners in the world. And they're talking like it's other people. <laughs> no, you, no, well, you know, not me, really. Oh, I, this is what I learned in my major studies in life. You'll know how big my IQ is when I tell you this. All means all, and that's all all means. <laughs> Do you see how brilliant I am? I'm brilliant. All have sinned, me, you, and fall short of God's glory, me and you. And look what Jesus says about that, John 8, 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins, who has sinned? All. Yeah, we should have said me. <laughs> and that means you say you, Brad. No, no, we should all say me. Who has sinned? Me. Every, <laughs> thank you very much, I love it. A little late on the uptake, but he's getting there, so that's pretty neat. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins, me, is by nature a slave to sin. But you know what? I don't wake up thinking like that, do you? Which is why I'm so often enslaved by sin. I forget my own propensity towards evil, and so do you. And you say, that, not me. I mean, I'm, I've been following Jesus a long time. I don't have that propensity towards evil. Really? So what you're telling me is, you're more amazing than the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, right? How many would say, yeah, I'm a better Jesus follower than the Apostle Paul? Yeah, here's what Paul said about himself, Romans 7. We know that the law is spiritual. God's truth is spiritual. But this is what Paul said about himself. But I am unspiritual. That's talking about his nature. I am sold as a slave to sin. This is my propensity in life. 
In fact, I'm so bad, Paul said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that's what I do. I don't know about you, and I'm going to be very, very honest. This is one of the best descriptions of my life I've ever found. It's me, man. And Paul said it was him. But do you know what gives us a shot in life? Being aware that on our own, we can't be good enough. On our own, we can't overcome this. On our own, we have this propensity towards evil. And then we go further. If we're really going to follow Jesus and develop his view, then we must believe in and have an awareness of the constant struggle between good and evil. In every moment, in every circumstance, in every family, in every person, in every relationship, we have to remain aware of the constant struggle between good and evil. And if we don't, we don't have a prayer. Look at how God says it in Ephesians 6, starting verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. You have got to get suited up because the struggle in the war is on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And what are the devil's schemes? To be a master deceiver, to masquerade himself as a representative of God, all to rob you of the life that God designed you for. But the only way to stand against his schemes is in the full armor of God, to know that the war is on. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We fight each other so much. It's bigger than that. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We will never be able to win the struggle against evil until we understand that it's constant. Every day, with every choice, with every relationship, in every circumstance. There's a struggle between good and evil, and most of us lose daily because we're not even suited up. One of the reasons we don't stand against the devil's schemes very well is because we don't even suit up for the fight, and we don't suit up for the fight because we don't even remember we're in one. You know when you decide to watch what you're going to watch? Yeah, it's a war. You know when you decide to say what you're going to say? Yeah, it's a war. When you decide whether or not you're going to expose yourself to spiritual truth or not, be a part of the church experience or not, yeah, it's a war. And many are losing and many kids are losing because families are no longer understanding the war. When you're unaware, you're never ready. If we're really going to follow Jesus and develop his view, then we can't stop with what we've seen already. Some of you are kind of going, dude, you've made me go down, doobie, doo, down, down. You know, I mean, you go from one negative to the next negative to the next negative, dude, you're depressing. And some of you are saying, you're so old, you stay, say the word dude. You know, I mean, I get it. Pretty soon I'll be saying groovy and bomb and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter how old I am. It matters the reality that nothing has ever changed. He's real. He's powerful. 
and he has influence. But we have to also remember, believe in, and have an awareness of God's victory over evil and the evil one. It's not all bad news. Jesus Christ has won the victory over the evil one and over evil, and we can live in victory because of it. But if you don't remember evil's reality, you will never be able to stand in the grace of his victory. Look at, look at Hebrews. I mean, it says it clear up. This is what Christianity is about. It's not about getting three wishes in a song. It's not about you becoming a sweeter human being. It's about us winning the war against evil in our soul and in our world. But you have to remember the evil one. Since the children have flesh and blood, since all of those created by God have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, became flesh and blood. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. How? He lived the perfect life in flesh that we have failed to live, and then he took our place in dying for sin. That's what the cross is about. And in dying for our sin, which holds us enslaved to the evil one, he's broken the power the devil has over us. That is the devil. And he frees those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. People lost in the here and now, death is the worst thing that can ever happen to them. But people who have an eternal view, death just puts us into the presence of God because of the favor of Jesus Christ. And he made it possible for us no longer to be dominated by this. We've won the victory. 1 John 5, 4, and 5. The reason I'm giving you lots of Bible is because you need to know there's no way you're following Jesus if you're not aware of the evil one. And there's no way you'll have victory unless you understand where it comes from. For everyone, 1 John 5, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. I go to Northridge Church, and it's awesome. That's not it. I'm religious. I was baptized. I'm, I got... I went through catechism. Not, none of that's it. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith in Jesus Christ. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Because only Jesus has overcome evil and the evil one. So, Satan's real. We need to be aware of it. We have a propensity to be defeated by him. But... Jesus makes it possible to overcome, which is why Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I can't do it on my own, but I can do it in him. But I have to be aware of the war. So what's this mean in our daily life? In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together, and we're going to worship but we better know what this should mean in our daily life. So let me give you an application to our lives. If we're going to experience the life and fulfillment that Jesus promised, God's best, then we have to cultivate two things. We have to cultivate a constant awareness of evil that most don't have. 
And once we have a constant awareness of evil, not to stop there because that'll lead to despair and depression and negativity, but cultivate a constant awareness of evil and a constant awareness of our ability in Jesus Christ to overcome. It's real, but I can overcome. It's real, but I can overcome. It's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than Jesus. I can overcome. But what's that take? And I'm telling you, this isn't where I'm preaching at you. This is where I'm sharing with you how I have to approach my daily life. What's it take? Well, if we're going to really be aware of evil and know we can overcome, we must be born of God. We have to be born of God. What's that mean? Well, see, we've already been born of Adam, which means we have a propensity towards evil. We have a susceptibility that keeps defeating us. It's why every one of us has sinned and been enslaved by it. But when we're born of God, what happens is we're reborn in Jesus Christ because he died for us. All of our sins and guilt can be taken. And because of his resurrection, he can put in us a new heart, a new nature, a new beginning. We can go from children of the devil to children of God. And all we have to do is put our full faith in Jesus. Look at 1 John 5, 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. They can overcome evil. The one who has been born of God keeps them safe. Jesus keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. That's when we're walking in Jesus. Have you been born of God? Just before we give you a couple more thoughts and then move to communion, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? As we bow, if you've never experienced being born of God, you might be religious, but never born of God, pray with me right now, would you? Take my words in this prayer and just make them yours quietly in your heart to God. Just say, Jesus, I, right now, I need to be born of God. I, oh, I've been lost in sin and darkness overcome by evil in my own life. But Jesus, you died on the cross to forgive me and rose again to give me new life. And so by faith, I confess my sin, receive your forgiveness, and accept your promise that I'm a children, child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did just pray with me, let us know, would you? You can see the number on your screens. For those of you online, you can see it. There's one message, word message, Northridge. Send it to us to that number. We'll send you a link. The link doesn't do it. In the link, you can tell us what decision you made, and then we'll be able to send you the right materials and the right gifts to help you move forward. But have you noticed that just because you're born of God, you don't automatically stay aware of the evil one and live in victory? Have you noticed that? I don't know about you, but I've been born of God for sure, but I, phew, I often don't walk in victory. So what else it's what does it take? Well, once you've been born of God, then you need to watch and pray. Remember Peter? He was following Jesus, but he didn't watch and pray. We have to watch and pray, just like Matthew taught us. Matthew 6.13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First part, man, we're all the way back to the beginning. This is a beautiful process that we're in right here. So why don't we just forget about all that, and I'll just tell you what it says. The devil took over the television. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> That's not true. 
I'm just incompetent. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How many times this last week did you watch and pray to stay aware of the evil one and remain aware of your ability to overcome? If never, that explains a lot. And when we're watching and praying, then what do we do? Well, James 4, 7 tells us, then we submit to God. Do you realize that's what the Lord's Prayer is? It's a submission to God. God, you know, I'm living life as if I'm, you know, my own God, but I'm not. You're my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You're God, not culture, not philosophy, you. I want your kingdom, not mine. Your will, not mine. And then he teaches us to pray, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. We have to submit to God because when we're not consciously submitting to God, we are automatically following our nature, which goes in the wrong way. When was the last time you really submitted to God? And then, James 4, 7 says, once you've submitted to God, then you need to resist the devil. Resist the devil. If you're not aware of him, you will never resist him. You have to resist the devil and say, I am going to submit to God, not you, not that. I'm not falling to that lie this time. And Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Resist him, resist him, resist him. And then when you're watching and praying, submitting to God, resisting the devil, finally, then, we must pursue positive things. Replacement. By nature, I pursue negative things. I must consciously choose to pursue positive things. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with all those who call out to the Lord with a pure heart. Here's simply what you do. You replace the devil's upside down with God's right side up. You know what this series has been about? Replacing the world's upside down with God's right side up. It's vital, because when we do, it changes everything. All right, here's my summary, and we go to communion. In the end, the key to staying aware of the evil one and aware of our ability to overcome him is found in these two words. Are you ready? Two words. Remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus. Remembering what he's told us, remembering what he's done for us, remembering that by suffering for us on the cross and rising from the dead, he made victory over the evil one possible. So we have to remember Jesus. When we remember Jesus, we'll remember there's an evil one. When we remember Jesus, we'll remember we have victory over that evil one when we surrender to him. Remembering's the key. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus gave us communion, he said, here's the point of communion, to remember. I have a very short-term memory. It's so easy to forget how messed up I really am. It's so easy to forget the reality of the evil one warring against me. And it's so easy to forget 
that Jesus' death and resurrection made it possible for me to live and overcome. So Jesus gave us communion. When we take the bread and you've been each given a packet, and in that packet you'll find <clears throat> a very fake and synthetic piece of bread. But the bread is a symbol to help us to remember what Jesus did for us. He died for us, and in dying for us, he overcame the enslavement of sin and Satan. And then he rose to give us new life and victory. We need to remember. And the juice is the symbol of his blood. Many of us live in despair and defeat because we've blown it. Most of us can't be awake 10 minutes before we remember that we're defined as failures. But when we remember Jesus shed his blood for us, we remember that, yes, we have failed, but in Jesus, we're children of God. We need to remember. We need to remember. And that's what we do when we celebrate communion. So in a moment, I'm going to come back and we'll receive the elements together. First, we'll contemplate the idea of remembering, but right now, let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this moment when we get to remember that in spite of the darkness of this world and our own lives and circumstances, Jesus, you're the light of the world and you've made it possible for us to walk out of the darkness and into the light, no longer enslaved by sin, but instead free to be children of God. As we receive the bread and the juice, help us to remember the power you've given us. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
And when we remember, we not only remember the constant struggle with evil, but we remember the power of Jesus to overcome. And that's why we receive communion. And so we eat this bread together in remembrance of him. And we drink this juice together in remembrance of him. Dear Jesus, we give you thanks. Help us to remember. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.